in you, Moab. It is five o'clock in Moab, and you're listening to KZMU Moab Community Radio on the dial at 90.1 and 106.7, and now 90.7 if you are in San Juan County. It's This Week in Moab. I'm your host, Molly Marcello, and I've got two guests in the studio with me, longtime Moab locals. It's lovely to have you both here. Hello. 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 Lovely to be here. Beautiful. Beautiful voices. Beautiful mics. <laughs> beautiful people. Beautiful people. Now, y'all, t- to do a, a live mic check, let's have you each introduce yourselves and uh, why you're here tonight. My name is Rana Bishki, and I'm here to talk about the Moab Locals 10K. And my name is Jessica Retka, and I am also here to talk about the Locals 10K. So the Moab Locals 10K, you two are no strangers to putting on races in the Moab community. Can you give us a little bit of background about, you know, your relationship to racing, running races, um, literally and figuratively in the Moab community? Rihanna, do you want to start? Uh, Sure. I mean, I've been a runner pretty much all my life. I started running when I was a little kid and Ran a lot of races as an adult, and uh, when I moved to Moab, I sort of got involved with a running club that was at that time putting on the Canyonlands Half Marathon, and uh, got got involved in that, and then finally, like, taking it over, and um, then I ran it for, I was involved with it for, like, 16 years, and then sold it in 2017, sold all my the races. Oh, so you did it for 16 years. Yep. And what kind of races did you do when you were, you know, doing doing that specifically? For, for yeah. uh, Moab Half Marathon? Moab Half Marathon. Uh, we put on three half marathons and a 10K. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. And some fun fun ones, too. Really fun. Yeah. I think they were all pretty fun, but the Winter Sun 10K was probably definitely one of the funnest, mostly because it was kind of more like a locals community event. Cool. Jess, and your involvement in um, running races in our, our town? Uh, I'm not a big runner, but my running um, experience has been mostly in this town. Since I moved here in 2010, I got into running a little bit. A friend of mine would drag me along. And then I started working for Rana at the Moab Half Marathon, I don't know, about 2012 or so. And I just got really into into the races through working the races through that and it was so fun I loved it and yeah I'm just happy to be part of the team now again so this one you know you guys have been mentioning like how some of the races in past like the winter sun was really fun and that's kind of the spirit and energy that you want to bring to this race which is molo moab locals 10k um tell us about the race it happens the first saturday december which is like the big festival festive weekend the craft fair happens that weekend the tree lighting and the electric light parade uh, so we, we're going to kind of be the kickoff of that weekend, um, with, uh, we'll do the 10 K in the morning. And is that kind of how the winter sun ran before? Yeah, it was on that same weekend. The winter sun 10 K was. And you said this is more like of a locals race. What makes it like that? It's mostly locals that run it. Um, and by locals, I mean kind of the Moab Grand County area, but also Grand Junction also brought a lot of runners to the race. So I kind of include them in, I guess it's kind of a regional race, you might say. Tell me about the course. It starts at the golf course and you end up at the hospital. Yep. So what can people expect? It's going to be mostly downhill. There is a little uphill in that first section. They start at the golf course, run a little bit through that neighborhood, and then get on Murphy. And they'll be running down Murphy Lane all the way to Mill Creek. 
and then take a right on Mill Creek and run all the way down to the LaSalle Road, turn in there, get on the bike path, and then they'll stay on the bike path all the way to First West, take a left on Williams Way, and then turn into the hospital, and we'll finish it there. What I um, noticed, like you just mentioned, Raina, is that it is mostly downhill. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which, which I was like, well, maybe I can do this race. Can do the I'm race? sure you can. Come on in. Who can do the race? Jess, who, who's able to do this race? Well, okay. So we say on our, our flyer that we welcome runners, walkers, joggers, strollers, and well-behaved dogs on leashes accompanied by a human. Um, I have run, I, <laughs> I ran the 10K that Rana used to put on originally, and I... It was hard for me because I'm a really slow runner, but I it was doable. I did it with a friend, and it was one of the like funnest experiences I've ever had. It was so great. Um, so I really recommend it, even if you're not a big runner. This is like a pretty low stakes option to try this out. Right. This is a fun run. Right. You can walk it if you're if you're not up for running it, or you can do little of both yeah and i know i'm sure some people will get out there and really get after it and you know <laughs> cruise on in but you know i'd love to see all different kinds of people all different kinds of bodies out there and genders just having a good old time wearing their costumes we say costumes encourage it's just we're hoping to encourage you know the spirit of the weekend in this event so let's keep it fun and don't stress too much you know okay very low stress very chill vibe yeah okay and and, uh part of kind of the thinking behind when to put on this race and also the course for it was trying to keep in mind um as low impact on the community as possible because we will be running through streets uh, we're going to try to keep all the runners as much as possible to the right-hand side of the road so that it's as little impact as possible. But um, Saturday morning in December, we're hoping a lot of people, folks on Murphy Lane and Mill Creek can, um, you know, just hopefully be patient with us or, you know, just wait a little bit till the runners get through if they need to go somewhere. But mm-hmm. the roads will not mm-hmm. be closed, so... Uh, people can still they'll Try still one. be able to get about yeah okay um you're just keeping the runners to one side of the road pretty much correct okay so we're here with rana and jess of molo 10k moab locals 10k and this race is coming up in december tell us about registration how do you register for this event you can go to run com backslash Molo 10K. I Googled Molo 10K and found it. So, oh, great. Yeah. Good. And registration details, any details to share, Anna? Uh, the cost is $30, which is pretty reasonable for a 10K. Um, and that includes, if you're one of the first 100 registrants, a really cool pair of running socks. Cool. Um, we'll have uh, hopefully some music up at the start and then... Mm-hmm. Um, some refreshments at the finish line and uh at the award ceremony we'll have lots of cool raffle prizes from local merchants here in moab and i did want to add our poster if you see our posters around town have a qr code that will bring you to the sign up site as well as um we have an instagram page called moab locals 10k or underscore moab locals 10k underscore it's easy to find that has the poster with the QR code and our Facebook site also has that. So if people prefer that method, that's out there as well. Okay. And as you said, you know, the race entry fee includes custom socks to the first 
hundred entrants and you know there's gonna be music there's gonna be raffles i've also read that there will be fire barrels what is, what is that <laughs> uh yeah well, that's something we used to do up at the start just because it's pretty chilly you know okay. on a december morning so we'll have a couple of little uh fire uh barrels courtesy of the apache motel up there to keep folks warm while they're okay. waiting to get get going so literally yeah. barrels full of fire to keep yourself warm okay <laughs> they're actually cauldrons they're cauldrons. yeah they are they're cauldron shaped and costumes are encouraged just what would you like to see out there for costumes oh my gosh honestly I, Rana was hoping, we have a couple friends that we saw out mm-hmm. on Halloween and they were wearing some wild fish costumes. <laughs> Halloween, a school of fish a sort of deal. Of yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could get festive with the holiday weekend, mm-hmm. you know, not to be exclusive to people who don't celebrate Christmas or whatever, um, but, you know, it is the holiday Christmas fair weekend. So with the light parade later in the night, so, you know, have fun, have fun with your outfit that way, <laughs> wear a hat, whatever you want. <laughs> Well, it sounds like it's going to be a fun race. And, you know, something that I neglected to ask you both is, you know, why the decision to bring this race back to Moab? Uh, yeah, I had was getting a lot of feedback from folks um, who were who had used to run the 10K in the past. And uh, since that race was no longer happening, um, it just felt like there was kind of a void in the community and I was getting definitely some feedback from folks who said how much they missed the race and I really enjoyed putting that race on so I thought it would be really something fun for me and something to give back to the community and something to just like support support Moab support the runners yeah so I'm excited to be doing it again great so this is is this all volunteer run now yeah I mean, well, we're volunteers, and we have um, a group of volunteers ready to help us out. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe there are a couple of positions, like the timer. <laughs> the timer will get paid. They're profesh. <laughs> but, you know, we're just here for the community. Well, that's really that's really special then that this, you know, group of people came together to put this on. This does feel like it has a very local flair then. Totally. And I feel like we're. I'm getting a lot of people coming up to me and saying, reaching out, saying they want to help and volunteer, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. So mm-hmm. we're getting getting all kinds of folks to do that. We still need some volunteers. We have a handful of spots that are still available. So yeah, what kind of stuff? Stuff down at the finish line, helping with the timers. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe out on the course as a course marshal, things like that. Right. We're still looking for just a handful of people. So okay. um, yeah, if people want to help out, please reach out. It's a really fun time, and it's a pretty accessible way to jump into volunteering in a race so and it's not a huge time commitment just yeah. a few hours on a saturday morning morning yeah all right we're here with rana and jess of molo 10k and a new person has joined us in the studio hello there yeah my name is jacob francis um i'm a longtime local of moab born and raised here um grew up running all of rana's races when i was a kid rana was actually my middle school cross-country coach oh. really um, any <laughs> feedback from rana as a coach <laughs> Well, I mean, I ended up going to college for running. I've just moved back a year ago, so I've been coaching with my wife, the high school track and cross-country teams. So, yeah, so now I'm back just trying to help get races going. That's one of the things that I've wanted to do um, Mm -hmm. since being back. I actually reached out to Rana over a year ago asking her, hey, how can can you help me learn how to do this, right? You did this for years. It's something I want to go into. Really? And that's when Rana kind of came to me and she said, I have an idea. I want to run another race. Let's start planning things. So 
we've been talking about this race for over a year now. We wanted to do it last year, but with the short time and the bridges being closed, it didn't end up happening. So Rand and I have been talking for 18 months trying to make this yeah. race happen. So. Oh my gosh. And it's happening this year. Um, you grew up doing Rana's races. You know, what can you say about like, you know, the vibe of the race? Um, it was always like a local first. That's what I okay. always like remember them being like, we always had a big local group that came mm-hmm. out when I was a kid. It was, there was a whole group of us kids. I would run, we'd get out there. And I remember at the five mile start line, there'd be a group of us Moabites out there. And we always called ourselves the, the Moab mafia as we like get ready to start these races. And we like all meet together. Cause there's thousands of people there and we don't know anyone, but there was always like this 20, 30 of us that we'd all find each other. Like, Hey, I know you, you're mm-hmm. a local. Let's all go warm up together. Let's all hang out. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like the joke we'd always make when we'd get out there. Like, Hey, where's the Moab mafia at? We got to go find everyone. <laughs> and what are you looking forward to about this race, Jacob? It's been a little bit in the making. So I'm excited for the local aspect of it. Like kind of like what Rana was saying earlier, there's so many people in this community that have come up to me and are so excited to like have a race that they feel like they can go run at. That it's not outsourced to bring in a ton of people from everywhere else. The prices aren't super high and it's mm-hmm. not like, well, I don't know how to do that. But it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is something that like I can train for for a couple months. I can do. It's not super expensive. It's not super time consuming. And it's just something like we can go out. There's a lot of teachers at the high school that I know are trying to get a group together to come run and walk it. Like they're not mm-hmm. coming to race to win they're just like oh this is a sweet opportunity to do stuff as locals let's go do it and as you all said earlier you know this race starts at the moab golf course goes down murphy lane spanish valley drive gets on the bike path and finishes at moab regional hospital and it can be runners it can be walkers it can be joggers it can be strollers Mm -hmm. it can be well-behaved dogs on a leash with a human (laughs) companion (laughs) (laughs) and it can be costumes just talked a little bit about the costumes are you going to be wearing a costume jacob <laughs> oh i hadn't thought about it my wife is going to be dressing up she's running okay so what, she's gonna be running what's her costume i think she's going to dress up as a cat because nice. she said she still uh-huh. wanted to run fast so she didn't want to wear something too big was right. gonna, something low key yeah something low key that she could still run fast in okay this is the Moab locals 10k they're coming back this is a race that has been done in the past but it's now sort of rebranded under a new name with a team of volunteers um and at least one paid staffer because of the timing, the timer <laughs> has to get paid um, because you do get professional time. This is a professional timed event if you are interested in such a thing. Anything else to say about this event? I know registration deadline is coming up. We should mention that it's Saturday, December 2nd. What else is on your mind? I would also just like to mention that um, we have two other members on our committee, mm-hmm. Nicole Priest and Rob Cook, and uh, they couldn't be here tonight, but it's been a great uh, team, I think we've it's been a good collaboration between the five of us, and everybody's kind of picking things to focus on, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be great. I think it's going to be so much fun on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. It sounds like yeah. a very low key emphasis on the local <laughs> <laughs> event. It's in the name. If you're slightly interested, you can look up below 10k again. Where can you find it? Runsignup.com backslash molo 10k. 
Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And uh, again, our Instagram and Facebook page have the QR code for that as well. Yeah. And those are both found under Moab Locals 10K. Mm-hmm. So you can find that on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And before you go, you know, what would you say? And now that we have Jacob in the room, like, what is the running scene here in Moab? You said that this is a race. It's, it's a good race because, you know, this is geared towards our community. But like, what's it kind of like? What's it like here? Um. Yeah. So since being back, um, I kind of like didn't know anyone, like was kind of like running by myself, running with the high school kids. Mm-hmm. But I found there's a Facebook group page called Red Rock Runners mm-hmm. that I stumbled upon. Um, and there's a big group of community runners. A lot of them do a lot of trail stuff, but there's a lot of people in the town that love to go running and they love to meet up and meet with random people and just go running. And so really after I started and met that, those, that group of people, I was like, there is the need for some more local races in this town and more races that people can get excited about instead of just once every six months, right? Like some more small, low-key races, but keeping people racing. Thank you all so much for being here. Anything else before we go? This is the Molo 10K. It's coming back from the golf course to the hospital. Well, I, have we talked about the price? Go ahead and mention it again, well, Jess. It's only $30, which is a pretty reasonable price, accessible and we wanted to keep it low for the locals specifically. So I just wanted to remind people of that, that we're here to have fun. We're not, you know, we're not out to like make a million bucks. This is really for the community. So. And when can, when do you register by? I think it's closes on the 30th. 30th. Yeah. yeah. It's the last of the month. 30. Right. Closes. And one of the cool things about this race that I think is a little different than a lot of other races is all the prizes and stuff at the end aren't based on performance it's all a raffle and so we have a lot of local businesses that have donated Mm -hmm. a ton of gift cards a ton of swag and stuff like that that we're just going to be raffling off so you enter the race you are up for grabs for any of those prizes and we do have a best costume award oh an incentive thank you for mentioning that what is this award going to be it's a Mm. surprise Surprise. So who's going to be judging the best costume? To be determined. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> we never talked about that. <laughs> it should be probably self-evident, probably. But yeah, exactly. there might be some debate, I'm right. sure. And, and one of the cool things we're actually doing with this is we're actually giving an award to the, the fastest family. So Ooh. three people in a family, okay. whether that's brothers, cousins, whatever, if they're a family and they're running it, we're going to do fastest three people and we'll... Compare against any other families, and you'll all get an award as well. So, trying to bring out families, bring out people to come out and and run together. Okay, so if you've got a group of three, um, no matter what kind of conglomeration you are, you could win fastest family. Exactly. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thank you so much for being here. This is the Molo. 10k um you can look up registration online you can register by the 30th and the race is saturday december 2nd um it's gonna be exciting thank you yeah thank you for thanks, for, thanks for having us <laughs> we look forward to seeing you all and um, we're gonna take a quick music break and then be back with eric from the utah avalanche center to give us what's happening on avalanche forecasting in the LaSalle mountains that's coming up next on this week in moab stay tuned it's 5 31 and you are tuned in to kzmu moab community radio it's this week in moab i'm your host molly marcello thank you for being here with us we are back with a very special guest as all of our guests are <laughs> hi eric hi how are you eric is with us from the utah avalanche center you are the forecaster for our region is that right how would you describe yourself yeah i am an avalanche i used to say the forecaster for the region now i'm 
and forecast a forecaster for the region because due to a generous grant from Canyonlands Natural History Association, I was able to hire a part-time assistant forecaster, Dave Garcia, um, and he fills in for me two days a week. He also helps wow. with awareness and education and community event planning. So now after a decade or more of doing it all myself down here, I now have some help. It's really great. So it's not entirely on your shoulders. No, not entirely. What is like a day in the life of a Utah avalanche forecaster? Fill us in. You know, down here in Moab, we you have to issue a daily avalanche forecast every single day because conditions can change in 24 hours. And so we issue a danger rating and they're based on changing conditions, snow, wind, weather, events that can happen overnight and quickly change the avalanche danger. So we have to update the forecast mm-hmm. every morning at 7.30. And people always ask, oh my gosh, you've already been up to the mountains? And it's like, no, we have not already <laughs> been up into the mountains. Basically, you go out into the field the mm-hmm. day before, you spend all day digging snow pits, observing shifting mm-hmm. weather conditions, observing the avalanche conditions. Then you go home that night, you write up your observations, maybe put out a video or something like that. Then you wake up at 4.35 o'clock in the morning the next day. And then we look at our remote sensors. We have huh. snow tail sites. We have a storm stake that I can access remotely. We measure the amount of snow that fell overnight. We look at what the winds did over the last 12 mm-hmm. hours, the last 20 hours, and we see how that's affected the danger. We look at what's forecasted to come throughout the day. And with all that data, you plug it in and you come up with your best forecast for the day. Wow. And then you load up in the truck and you go out and you do it all again. And you go out and see if basically what you said was going to happen happened or not. You might have to make adjustments for the next day's forecast, depending on what the weather can does, you know, over the next 24 hours. That's an amazing job. It's pretty fun. It's also, you know, I guess the older I get, it gets to be more and more work. <laughs> it gets a little harder yeah. every year. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really, really good gig. It's a really interesting, fascinating you know, I'm curious, like, how has that data, you know, how have the tools changed? Because the Snowtel site, that's relatively new, right? Like, have you gotten more tools to, you know, put out more accurate forecasts, I suppose? I have gotten more tools. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, we had a Snowtel site. The Snowtel sites, I think, in the LaSalle's now go back to the 80s. Okay. But they weren't in the best location. And one is on the Geyser Pass Road at lower elevation below the Trans-LaSalle Trail. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, climate change or changing winters or whatever we've seen over the last... 10 to 20 years um, snow levels are moving up higher in the mountains we're not getting as much snow down lower the snow tail site at the geyser pass trailhead isn't always the most accurate so we were measuring snow with our own remote snow stake in gold basin where right at the end of the road in gold basin where you can measure snowfall that fell overnight during the last storm but it wasn't sophisticated enough to measure water amounts and that's where it really comes in because all snow is not created equal we're talking about weight on top of an existing snowpack Mm -hmm. and four percent light fluffy Utah powder is not the same as dense, heavy, wet snow in the Pacific Northwest. And basically Mm. what we do is we measure how much water fell over the last 24 hours because that's where you get the weight from on your snowpack. So a foot of low-density snow is not the same as a foot of very high-density snow. So we worked with the National Resource and Conservation Service, which is also... USDA, which is what Mm -hmm. the Forest Service is, to put in yet another snowtail site. And we've had that in since 2000. Well, let's see. This will be our third season with it. Yeah, since 2020. So, and that's also in Gold Basin where we've been measuring snow for for many years now. But now we can measure water there with that snowtail site. Why is Gold Basin sort of the ideal location for something like that? Mm, It's where most of the recreational use happens. It's Mm -hmm. at an elevation really close to Gold Basin that gets a fair bit of snow. Um, We can access it fairly easily. Mm -hmm. It's very sheltered. I was really worried at the fire because it's quite a 
a beautiful snow study site. It's north facing, mm-hmm. so it gets a lot of shade in the winter. Mm-hmm. It's had a perfect horseshoe shape of conifer trees behind it. Mm-hmm. So the snow would just fall straight down in there and just lovely place to measure snow. And then the Pat Creek fire burned through there and it actually burned over the our weather station at the time. We had to do a lot of work to re- reinstall it. And I was really worried that those burnt trees would allow a lot more sunlight in there and that it wouldn't be as good as it was in the past. And actually, because it has a ridge behind it as well, it's still sheltered and, and quite a nice place to measure snow. Wow. So it's still a good a good site for that. It is. Okay. Now, you also forecast in the Abajos. You know, we do try to keep tabs on what's going down in the Abajos. Last season, we decided that we weren't down there enough to do a 24 a daily right. updated forecast uh-huh. and if you're not da- updating it every day you can't put a danger rating out mm-hmm. so we try to keep tabs on it we do a general conditions report we tell people things to look out for in the mm-hmm. snowpack we print observations from people that are coming in and so we get down there as much as we can hopefully once a week to see what has changed and so then we can anticipate what's coming but it's not a detailed enough forecast for us to put out a danger rating. Got it. So it's more of general awareness of the Abajos. It's an awareness, but mm-hmm. it, it, it does still have snowpack information, right. but you mm-hmm. kind of have to read through it more and come up with your own plan based on what we're right. saying we're seeing and what we're saying you might need to look out for. But we're not going to tell you it's low, moderate, you know, or high. We do issue avalanche warnings when we think it's going to be high down there. And we had several storms last winter that were pretty big that put in like three plus inches of water in 24 hours. And that's that's huge. Right. So we're speaking with Eric from the Utah Avalanche Center. I've noticed uh, that there is a general conditions report on the website right now just to, you know, give people who might be wishing for snow a heads up of what's going on out there. So what are the conditions right now and why put that that forecast up for? You know, mainly we want to get rid of what was posted last spring <laughs> where we say, hey... <laughs> hey, you know, this is what you need to look for in springtime, and we're yeah. out of the office now, so we need to update that. We want right. to let people know that we're back in the office and paying attention to things that are going on. We want to make sure they know there are current weather links, so mm-hmm. if you're a total nerd like some of us are that want to see what's going on up there, you can click on the Snowtel site and see how much snow is on the right. ground. If it does snow mm-hmm. and we get four inches, you can look on the gold bait. You can, it's automated, and they're all hyperlinks right there, so you can right. look at it and see. Plus, we want to make it easy for people to click on the National weather service thing and we just want to let people know what we're seeing we try to map existing snow cover um if you guys hear me say this more over and more nothing good comes from early october snow and typically what happens is we get snow in october and then it sits on the ground for weeks and weeks and turns into a a basal weak layer at the for the Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the snowpack that can plague us for much of the season so basically i've posted a couple photos of what we've seen up there because we start mapping where the existing snow is and the truth is there's really not that much the upper elevation north faces might still have a few inches but at this point in time i don't think they're going to be problematic okay so you know right now we're what mid-november mid-november yep (laughs) how are you feeling about the season right now you know so far i'm feeling fine about it if it doesn't come (laughs) until after thanksgiving i'm usually pretty good with that because that's what quite often happens is we get Mm -hmm. that october snow and then it doesn't snow again until after thanksgiving anyway and then we're set up with the bad situation ideally after thanksgiving it can start snowing with earnest anytime and that would be a a perfect scenario for me you know they're talking Mm -hmm. this el nino winter Mm -hmm. a lot of people have been following that just in general how it affects our weather although i've been reading recent articles 
we've got an El Nino coming. It's going to be strong, but it's already behaving strangely. So they don't know exactly <laughs> oh, what Lord. it's going to do, right? Yeah. But normally that drives the jet stream south, which mm-hmm. is a pretty good scenario mm-hmm. for us. Arizona, New Mexico typically do good. The Southern Rockies do well. Mm-hmm. The Sierra does well. And we're usually right on the northern fringe of that. So we have a pretty good chance of a good winter if and when that jet stream starts to finally kick down here. And I'm sure people can, you know, keep abreast of the local conditions on the Utah Avalanche Center website. Remind us, what what is the link? It's utahavalanchecenter.org. Utahavalanchecenter.org. And then you can just click on Moab. But yeah, we will update it, you know, anytime anything significant changes at this point. And for like, we post like local information, like our party that's going to come up, I'm sure we'll talk about. And um, like, we just had some events that we wanted people to know about. So those were on there. Those are down now. Mm -hmm. So... All right, what's coming up? What's coming up? Well, outside of snow, finally, by December, we should be hopefully really up and running. And that first week of December, is it the second week? Uh, Let me pull out my calendar. Yeah, the weekend of the 3rd through the 9th is uh, Avalanche Awareness Week in the state of Utah. And actually, that started as a result of a tragic fatal accident that happened here in the LaSalle's in 2019. The fellow that died, unfortunately, came from San Juan County, and State Representative Phil Lyman brought it up with the state legislature to designate this week, Avalanche Awareness Week across the state, as a result of that fatality. Mm -hmm. So we have several events throughout the state going on, of course, educational and otherwise. And down here in Moab, what we have planned is our typical free know-before-you-go Avalanche Awareness class on the 7th, Thursday the 7th. But if you've seen it in the past, it's gone through a huge transformation. Last year, we, we did our first showing of the new program. A lot of people with the nonprofit in Salt Lake have really been working to create a whole new curriculum and a whole new set of videos that go with it. And it's much more interactive. Mm. So if you've been a goer in the past and you think you've seen that before, it's definitely something new. And that will be on the 7th. And then on the 9th, we have our second annual Ski Wax Fundraising Benefit Party. And that thing is a hoot. At least last year, if, if, if you missed it, uh, you missed a good time. <laughs> we had over 100 people last year. We had a band with local musicians. Um, we waxed probably 50 pairs of skis outside in the courtyard. We raffled off some amazing prizes. People danced. It was It's a great time. So, you know, I heard stories about that party. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the second annual is probably going to be even bigger, right? Let's hope so. <laughs> okay. and, and that'll be at the mark on okay. Saturday, the okay. Saturday, uh, December 9th. So you have a December 7th no before you go, a December 9th ski wax slash pray for snow benefit. And what is the, what is that raising money for? So that money actually does go to help pay Dave okay. Garcia. Canyonlands Natural History Association gave us a great grant to pay for a portion of his salary. And mm-hmm. then the other portion comes from the nonprofit, which is you know located in Salt Lake, but works throughout mm-hmm. the state. It also pays for weather station parts. It pays for observations. All of our local observers that send in observations get a small stipend mm-hmm. for doing that. And they send them throughout the season. And that helps us know exactly what's going on out there. So mm-hmm. it helps pay them. It helps pay instructors for our avalanche classes that we teach down here. So it goes to a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I'm sure that you're going to have some events throughout the season as well, right? Some educational happenings. Yes, very much so. um, In January, it's either going to be the 19th and 20th or the following weekend, 25th, 26th. We don't have that set in Mm -hmm. stone, but that's our annual Backcountry 101 class. Mm -hmm. And that is a Friday, Saturday, go out in the snow in the field and Mm -hmm. learn about what you've 
studied online beforehand and in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be doing a beacon clinic up at the Geyser Pass Winter Trailhead. We'll have some trailhead awareness days where mm-hmm. we just talk to people that are coming up and ask them if they know about the avalanche conditions or if they know about the avalanche center or the beacon park that we have up there, et cetera. Right. So yeah, just some other things. Now, something that I, I'm curious about from your perspective, like what distinguishes our type of winter recreation here in this corner of the state from you know, mm. northern Utah, right? This is kind of a unique experience down here for winter recreators. It's a, that's a good question. It's mm-hmm. a very it's a very di- unique experience. You know, we have a hardcore dedicated local group of backcountry skiers, but we also have, you know, cross-country skiers utilizing the groomed trails. Mm-hmm. We have people going up there to cut Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. We have people with their kids sledding on the on the right. you know, the small hills up mm-hmm. there. It's a it's a it's a real treasure for the desert people to have this small access to to the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like up in the Wasatch or something like that. It's just such a hardcore and even crowded backcountry right. ski. We call it Los Angeles now, and I grew up up there, and it's gotten you know <laughs> quite quite crowded in uh-huh. the backcountry. So we still have a, a pretty unique small time feel down here. Even though you might see fifty cars at the Geyser Pass Winter Trailhead on the weekends, you'll probably know half the people there and that's that's really unique it's a really tight-knit community and when we do get outsiders coming they 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 actually sense that you know Mm. when they're hanging out so Mm -hmm. and and you know even if the conditions are dangerous and you don't get to go ski the deepest powder all the time because we have a very different snowpack than say Mm -hmm. the wasatch um you know to to go up there and see canyonlands from high alpine peaks is something you're not going to find anywhere totally unique experience and you know we have um good group of people who are out there ice skating yeah on the leaks so not even on the trails right? yeah right ice yeah. skating there's actually quite a contingent of ice skaters here in moab yeah. and we, we haven't had the the coldest of winters over the last several years but you know they go to ken's lake and they, mm-hmm. they even used to ski skate in the sloughs when there was enough water out right. there but now then something that's been happening is if we get snow later in the season but it has gotten cold in the mountains you can still drive to places like Uwa Lake or maybe hike up the trail to Clark Lake from there mm-hmm. without having to have skis or snowshoes to get to these places or even Warner Lake. Mm-hmm. And there's not snow on the surface. So it's sometimes prime skating conditions in the mountains, like now when it's cold enough before the right. snow really falls. It's funny for winter recreators because if you're an ice skater, you're, you know, hoping for no snow, but you want it to freeze cold. cold. But if you're, you know, a skier, you want the snow. Right. <laughs> you know, so right. maybe you're both and you, you don't care. You'll just do one or the other. Do so. one or the other. <laughs> well, awesome, Eric. This is a great information from the Utah Avalanche Center. You are here to talk about forecasting for the 2023-2024 season. Um, you know, your position is really important because you're all about preventing people getting stuck out in dangerous conditions. What are some of the difficulties that we encounter in our region and our mountains? Well, our region has uh, what's known as a, a continental snowpack, which mm-hmm. is a very shallow, weak snowpack. And most people would not think that would, it's counterintuitive to think that would create avalanche conditions because, mm-hmm. right, obviously more snow, you get more avalanches, right? Mm-hmm. But more snow makes a deeper, stronger snowpack. And so, During avalanche cycles, you're only really concerned with what we call new snow or the most recent snow that fell overnight landing on the old snow Mm -hmm. surface. And that could be, you know, six inches deep, 12 inches deep. But here, if you have a a weak layer that forms near the base of the snowpack and then throughout the season, you keep adding layers on top of it. And now you've got three feet down there. You can have dangerous deep avalanches for, for much of the season. And people come here 
um, from other areas where the snowpack is stronger and, and they don't realize that. And our terrain here is also, um, there's no moderate terrain, you know, 30 degrees and above is the avalanche angle. And so one way to stay safe is to keep your slope angles at 30 degrees or less, regardless of what the avalanche conditions mm. are, right? And we don't have a lot of terrain like that unless it's really flat mm. and really flat isn't enough to make powder turns, you kind of need like a 20 to 30 degree mm. slope to mm -hmm. actually, you know, right. do downhill type turns on. And here it's kind of go big or go home. We have very limited, moderate, what we call moderate terrain. So that's another challenge. And people come down here, especially if you are used to skiing big lines in the Wasatch or the Tetons and you mm -hmm. come down here, we have huge, beautiful lines, mm -hmm. but they're often not something you want to get on in the middle of the winter. So, you know, who is most at risk, I guess, like what type of recreation is at risk, you know, out there in the mountains? So backcountry skiers and snowmobilers, you know, one mm -hmm. thing we want to let people know is cross country skiing on the groom trails mm -hmm. here in the LaSalle, you are not going to be in danger of avalanche terrain. We have a sign at the trailhead that says, you know, warning avalanche train beyond this point. It's a beacon checker sign and it's got a flashing red light. Mm -hmm. And if you walk past it with your beacon on, it turns green. And we don't want people to see that and think that they can't just go cross country skiing up the road because they can. Mm -hmm. But once you leave the road and you get into, you know, steeper terrain, that's where the problems start. And so it's people with heavier backcountry mm -hmm. gear, they're skinning up, they're climbing peaks, they're looking for something to ski down, mm. similar to like what you do at a downhill ski area, except for without mm. the mad rush for powder, because here you're in the backcountry, you have your right. own. And snow machines now are getting so much more powerful and you know they have amazing handling and they, right. they do incredible mm -hmm. things now. And so these folks are getting into much steeper avalanche prone training. And that's what our last fatality in the range was, was a, was a snowmobiler. And like you said, that was back in 2019. 2019, Not yeah. too long ago. And um, what about the past? Like, can I jog your memory? <clears throat> like, have there been other big incidents in our in our region yeah so we've had the the uh, LaSalle mountains have had six avalanche fatalities mm -hmm. um, but the biggest one had four all in one and that was in uh, 1992 mm -hmm. and it's it's for a lot of new folks in town it's it's that seems like ancient history but there are a lot of people in town here still to this day that are that were affected by that accident and um, Moab was, you know, a, a small, a small, a smaller community then, and mm -hmm. especially in the winter time. And so it was mostly river people that did stick around here in the winter and didn't go to off to ski areas or whatever that. So everybody knew everybody. Mm -hmm. And there was a group of six, including mm -hmm. the avalanche forecaster at mm -hmm. the time that went into Gold Basin and, um, were all six were caught in an avalanche and four were killed and two to escape were able to dig themselves out and, and get out That's and brutal. it was really brutal and it really shook the community and i i wasn't here in the winter then but i was working on the ski patrol at alta um, and i was working down here as a river guide in the summer so mm -hmm. by association i knew plenty of people that knew people and it was it was devastating mm -hmm. and since then there has also been two snowmobilers and then we've had a couple other skiers, you know, get caught, take rides. We call them catch and carries. <laughs> mm, yeah. But fortunately, you know, no other 
fatalities beyond that. The Utah Avalanche Center and you in particular, I mean, if you Google your name, Eric Trenbeth, um, you have so much, you've been out there like year after year getting people information, educational resources. I feel like that has, you know, that has probably ramped up in the last, what, 20, 30 years (laughs) since then. Oh, and yeah, you know, I've had this job twice now. And the first time I had it was 1999 to Mm -hmm. uh, 2003. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I would, Back then, the program was always even in question, right? And mm-hmm. and and perhaps understandably so. It was all part of of Grand County uh, and Moab trying to promote Moab as a year round tourist destination. And mm-hmm. so the history of that goes back to the county was going to plow the road, and they were going to promote um, the travel council was going to promote winter recreation, mm-hmm. and the Forest Service for their part, would put up an avalanche center. And so that's how it got started. And then, you know, then the accident happened. And then it was pretty quiet around Mm. here for a long time. And I showed up in 1999 all excited to be an avalanche forecaster. And I'd walk around up there and I'd be like, anybody out there? (laughs) Out there? Out there, right? Right. Sometimes I'd be the only person in the mountains. And and that has changed uh, significantly for Mm -hmm. better or worse, um, right. maybe much to the chagrin of some of the, the longtime locals, and I can fully sympathize with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mount Tukanikovats is now on everybody's radar. Hmm. There's a book that came out called The 50 Classic Ski Descents of North America, and it just so happens that Mount Tukanikovats is one of them, mm-hmm. or Tuk, which everybody else calls it, hey, we're here to ski Tuk. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuk, like the hat. <laughs> so everybody comes down here wanting to ski that, and right. it's a big, dangerous mountain. Mountain. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they all kind of know it's a spring spring thing. It's not something you can often do in the dead of winter. But but more and more, that's on everybody's radar. And between the end of March and middle of April, there will be multiple parties a day skiing off the summit wow. of it, if not twenty. Wow! La- like last year. Wow! Last year was like twenty parties a day. We're skiing skiing Tuke for a couple of weeks. How do you all keep track of like these numbers and the visitors? I mean, you're out there pretty much every day, right? Yeah, so. and it is mostly anecdotal data. We've tried to do like trail counters and things right. like that. Um, but the bottom line is I'm just up there all the time and I see all these cars down the road right. and I'm like, they're just lined up and everyone I talk to is going up there to ski tuck. And then <laughs> we had this picture where it was just like, looked like moguls from a ski area up there on the North Face. Our wow. local observer, Tim Tim Matthews, sent me a picture one day. I was like, oh my God, look at that. And uh, you just talk to parties and where they're going. You talk to somebody you know and they're say, yeah, we saw 10 parties while we were up there. And mm-hmm. so you just kind of know. Right. I guess more opportunities to interact with these educational resources for yes. more people. Right? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's yep. wild how the recreation yep. changes and the trends. I mean, but as you were saying, you know, it seems like it's still our local mountains are still very much a local scene. Um, maybe not getting that way in some parts of the mountain, Lake Tuke, but but but, but definitely in yeah. the winter. And mm-hmm. fortunately for the local folks here, um, by the time it is Tuke season, uh, <laughs> most of the people here are either off to their spring summer jobs or they're right. climbing or they're mountain biking. I mean, we have some hardcores that still love to ski late in the year, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's out-of-towners coming here late season when everyone here is now running around out in the desert. Thank you so much, Eric, for being here and talking to us about the upcoming season in our local mountains, the Utah Avalanche uh, Forecaster. Anything else to mention? I know those two events, again, there's one coming up December 7th. That's the No Before You Go. And December 9th is the big party. Where are those? What time? They're both going to be at the Mark. Um, more information will be posted up around town. And I think we're even going to do some promos here on, on KZMU and uh, we'll get it out on social media. But the note before you go is at six o'clock and I 
think the party starts at six as well. More information, of course, at utahavalanchecenter.org. Org and, oh, you oh, can yeah, also yeah. follow us on Instagram, utavi underscore Moab. Oh, yeah, that's UT right. Utavi underscore Moab. And there is where you post, you know, like epic pictures, right? <laughs> <laughs> All of educational purposes, of course. <laughs> sure. Um, we do, you know, post little video mm-hmm. forecasts of what we've seen out there, cool. upcoming events, storms mm-hmm. incoming, just information that we think people need to know. Okay. And it's all you and David. Yep. Wow. Okay. Can anyone call in or, you know, I feel like I've seen like a couple of like volunteers who have weighed in sometimes on Utah Avalanche Center. Oh, that's that's yeah. the observers that I'm talking okay. about. Some of the money that we raise goes to pay. And okay, great. usually we will like either quote their findings in the forecast or mm-hmm. we'll do a link sure. to the observation that they submitted and mm-hmm. say so-and-so was out today and here's what they found. Read more on this report here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are the the volunteers that help us out and they're they're really great great thank you so much for being here eric any last thoughts before we go i think that'll cover it 